This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Harry's. For guys who want a great shave experience for a fraction of what you're paying now, go to harrys.com. Get $5 off your first purchase by entering the promo code FOOL when you check out. It's Monday, July 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Million Dollar Portfolio and Supernova, Simon Erickson. Thanks for being here. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks, Chris. It is Deep Dive Week. As I mentioned last Thursday on Market Foolery, I'm actually out of the country right now. And so this week on Market Foolery, we're going to be doing a deep dive on some of the biggest companies, some of the most widely held stocks. And today, we're talking Alphabet. So let's start. This is probably as good a place to end. Let's start with. What happened at some point in the last twelve months when Google changed their name to Alphabet, and and once I and a lot of other people got over the idea that this was a prank of some sort, <laughs> and it was a reincorporation. Um, remind our dozens of listeners how Alphabet is set up as a business now. So confusing investors everywhere when yeah. Google now is Alphabet and they they split the business up. This is still. The same Google as you were used to before, and and Google still accounts for 20.1 of Alphabet's 20.3 billion dollars of revenue they make on a quarterly basis. So it's still that the vast majority is still in that Google segment that we're all so familiar with. It's just that now Alphabet is also a holding company that can invest in other companies that are its next big bets that it's placing on the future. It can be more efficient to be the holding company for betting on things like. Um, like healthcare or on uh, um, Google Fiber and stuff like this, it can all go up to that parent organization. That's why they're doing it. They're wanting to make bigger bets in the future, but still, the main segment of Alphabet is the Google side of the business. The, and the, when we when we talk about the Google side of the business, we're talking about Google. We're talking about YouTube. What are some of the other main drivers? I mean, you could probably just stop with Google and YouTube, just because they are. Aren't they still like number one and number two in search? Uh, Google is the most visited website in the United States. Um, believe this or not, Chris, about 16% of all U.S. website visits go to Google.com. I believe that. Pretty amazing. And, and even more amazing, we consider that YouTube is number three and Gmail is number four. So we've got three of the four most visited sites in the U.S. going to Google's properties. Um, but to answer your question, the, the real engine of this business is still advertising. And that's why that traffic is so important, because Google's trying to organize all of the world's information, make it universally accessible. And the only way they can do that is to get the traffic that's going to their sites. Um, in addition, when you're getting all of that traffic, you're able to get more and more advertising that just produces a, a cash cow when you base it off of all of these users. Google now has seven products that have more than one billion users globally. So an incredible um, reach that they have among those, you know, Gmail, YouTube, Maps, Chrome, um, and you know they're growing the number of clicks at forty percent a year still. So it's a it's a huge company, um, dominant company, and still growing very very quickly. It's pretty amazing, and we've talked about this before. When you when you think about YouTube and the success that YouTube has had, that. You kind of get the sense that the people who actually work inside the company look at YouTube and think to themselves, ah, "This isn't really where we want it." In terms of like, this is fine. We're doing better than we used to do, certainly in terms of traffic and all of that. But you don't really get the sense that they feel like they have cracked the code on YouTube. That they thought, "Oh," which is staggering. That what that means in terms of money, 
is that they look at YouTube and say, yeah, we're making money off it, but we feel like we could make a heck of a lot more. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting with YouTube, actually, because they've now got um, more people visit YouTube than any cable network out there. So they've got a huge reach, right? But it's still being optimized as to how they're actually going to be, like you said, make money off of this. Um, YouTube is generally farther up in the higher in the funnel than a, than a Google search is. And what I mean by that is if you're going on Google, you're searching for something very specific, you tend to already know what you're looking for. YouTube is a little bit earlier in a purchase decision where maybe you're just looking for uh, your favorite music video, you know, you're just kind of looking for, for any kind of content that's on YouTube. But the advertising that goes along that should be kind of more of a brand advertising. Like when you see so many Coca-Cola commercials still, right? It's still to ma- maintain top of mind presence. And that's why a lot of the pricing for YouTube ads is lower than it is for, for Google's proper search. Um, so still a long way to go, but Google has been incredibly successful with YouTube in the last couple of years. I want to ask about the competition, but I realize now that I'm struggling to think of what any sort of formidable competition looks like right now. You know, Microsoft still has Bing. I mean, there 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 are other search and advertising companies out there. I mean, is it is it Facebook? Where where is where is the primary competition coming from? I think that the biggest competitive threat for Alphabet, at least on as far as the advertising side of things, is the transition that we're starting to see from how people are getting information on the internet. Um, in the late 90s, and definitely in the 2000s, it was this core search that just made Google such a powerhouse. You'd go on, you'd search for information, go to google.com, still 16% of all of our websites are going through google.com. But there's definitely been a transition to mobile. And mobile doesn't have the same dynamic of going on, getting in a search bar, looking at Google, looking for something, going to that company's website. Now the company just has their own application that you download from Google Play, put it on your phone, and then you use that time and time again. And Google, a lot of the times, is not collecting any kind of advertising revenue from that. So I would say, yeah, maybe it is Facebook, maybe it is other companies that are your most um, accessed applications on your mobile phone, I think, could be the biggest threat competitively for, for Google search. You mentioned apps. It reminded me, um, Suzanne Fry, who is uh, one of the executives at Google, works uh, does a lot of work with apps. She sits on our board of directors. So, always like to include that disclaimer when we're talking about Alphabet in any kind of depth. In terms of threats to Google, is Uncle Sam number one on the list? Because I'm old enough to remember when Microsoft got to be so big that the drumbeat was getting louder and louder that they, they you know the government might break them up. And I'm wondering if if Google's greatest threat is actually that it becomes even more dominant than it is now, and then Uncle Sam comes knocking on the door. Could be very possible, Chris. I I, I can't speculate what will happen with that. I'm going to give you an extra bonus. Risk. <laughs> that, maybe that is okay. the biggest risk for, for Google today. But the one that I'm looking at is actually ad blocking software. Um, there are reports now that nearly 200 million machines across the globe have installed software to actually block out the advertising. This is a user going and downloading something saying, I don't want to see your advertisements anymore. I'm going to look at YouTube without the ads coming up. I want to look at a website without seeing um, Google placed advertisements uh, on the side of it anymore. And this is becoming more and more of a threat. Um, Google 
brings this up in their conference calls and saying, hey, we're still trying to do the experience. We're trying to optimize user experience so that these ads are helpful for you. And uh, you're actually able to benefit from seeing them. But a lot of people are just saying, hey, I don't want any kind of advertising on my web experience. And uh, we're seeing that rise incredibly quickly the last couple of years. Of course, that takes revenue right off of the top line for Google that they would otherwise be getting. All right. Before we continue, i got to say a word about Harry's. I love Harry's. I love their products. I've been using them for years. I've been a customer for a while now. And uh, Harry's ships right to your doorstep, so you don't have to wait for someone to unlock that plexiglass uh, safe at the grocery store. By the way, do you know why they do that? Do you know why razors are under sort of like a lock and key type situation with the plexiglass? Must be the cost per unit item. It, it actually is. It's because razors are so expensive in sort of your average store that uh, they don't want you, you know, just lifting them on your way out. Um, they're locked up because they're so expensive. And that's why Harry's.com was started by a couple of guys who wanted to create a better shaving experience at an affordable price. It's easy to get started. Over a million guys have made the switch to Harry's, in part because it takes less than 30 seconds to place an order. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with the promo code FOOL. Just go to harrys.com. That's harrys.com and enter the promo code FOOL at checkout. All right. Alphabet reports earnings. The earnings report comes out. Let's talk metrics here. What are two or three things that you are looking at? to get a sense of how the business is doing? Well, the first thing you'll always look at is the the relationship between the total number of clicks on Google Sites and the cost per click that they're getting. Um, for a reference point, the total number of clicks on Google Sites were up 38% last quarter, and the cost per click was down 12% year-over-year comparisons. And again, that's because more people are using YouTube. YouTube's got lower pricing, so the, the cost per click is decreasing. But if you're getting a, about a 40% increase in the total number of clicks, you're still top of mind, very relevant um, for users. And of course, that's still attracting a lot of advertising. Um, interest too. So, first one, cost per click and the total number of clicks that you're getting from Google. Let me pause right there. So, obviously, if you're a shareholder or a prospective shareholder, in a perfect world, you'd you'd love to see cost per click going up, but the fact that it's down 12% is outweighed in your mind by the fact that it clicks themselves up nearly 40%. Yep, and Google will pick that any day of the week. If yep. you had to, if you told them, hey, you have to pick price, you pick volume, they'll pick price. I'm sorry, they will pick volume over price every single year. Um, and again, this is still an incredibly profitable business, Chris. I mean, they've got such a um, pricing power that they've got all the users that now they've got a 26% free cash flow margin. It means after they pay all of their bills and all of the servers and all the equipment, 26 cents of every dollar they make is still going right in the pockets of shareholders, which is phenomenal. Um, and they're getting $1.2 million a year per employee, second only to Apple out there. So. Even if cost per click is decreasing, this is a very efficient, well-run organization. And then the second one isn't so much a number as uh, keeping track of the other bets that Alphabet is making right now. These don't get as much, um, I guess, notice today because it's still such a small percentage of the overall revenue of the company. But these are these are some really big bets that Google is taking on the future. And I think one of the reasons that Google has remained so relevant now for almost 20 years is because they do invest so efficiently into their future on, on products like Gmail and YouTube that have worked out incredibly well for them. And they're continuing to do that now. I'll be taking a look at their self-driving car, see how, how the progress is coming along with that. I'll be looking at the number of cities that Google Fiber is being released at. That's their free wireless internet that they're releasing. 
And then also the growth of their new Google Cloud initiative, kind of similar to Amazon Web Services. That's something that's getting up and going for Google, too. And that's, to me, one of the more incredible things about this company, is that for all of the success that Alphabet has had, and for just ubiquitous as it is in sort of the average American's everyday life, you you can still look at this company and say, "Oh, just, you have no idea what's coming. Just wait." You know, just you cannot imagine. What, in some ways, there there are other big successful companies, and we can imagine what the future of them looks like. It wouldn't stun me at all if maybe twenty years down the line, the you know what. Alphabet looks like then is dramatically different from the way it is right now, and it's huge. I mean, these are kind of sci-fi kind of kind of projects, right? Don't talk about things like space elevators or beaming wireless internet down from from air balloons or, or or satellites. You know, these are these are huge projects that are billions of dollars, and they've been kind of um, favorably referred to as moonshots at Google for years and years. Ruth Porat came in um, not too long ago as CFO of, of, of Google. You and I were talking about before the show coming from the banking industry. Right. I think that gave investors and Wall Street a lot of confidence that they are really prioritizing and allocating capital appropriately. There's still the same great moonshots, but there's going to be a heck of a return for investors off of these projects. Yeah, I remember when the news broke that the then CFO of uh, and at that point, it was Google uh, was stepping down. And I remember one of the things we talked about was, I don't know who the next CFO is going to be for this company, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be whoever they want. Right? It's, like they're gonna, they've got the number one draft pick, <laughs> and they, and in Ruth Porat, they got someone with an incredible reputation. Um, she's obviously part of the management team in in terms of, you know, who else is running this company. Do you feel good about the management? Because that that is something that we look at as investors, and it seems like they've got good leaders in place, and leaders who aren't necessarily going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Larry Page is still CEO of Alphabet, the parent organization. He founded Google in 1998, um, so he, he's not. He doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I would say he's around to stay. As shareholders, you have to kind of accept the fact that he's going to be calling the shots and making the decisions. Of course, Google now has a second, or I'm sorry, a third class of shares. Right, the C shares. Yeah, the C shares, just to make sure that he's going to keep voting control, even if he's diluting from options or other things like that. Um, so he's still setting the direction of the company. He's still calling the shots. I think from the from the top. We talked about Ruth Porat a little bit. Also, Sundar Pichai is is the the CEO of Google within Alphabet. And he's always really done a good job of of bringing these these billion user products um, to prominence and, and getting them scaled and getting them to just produce this cash flow machine that now Google can go. I'm sorry, that now Alphabet can go and invest in a whole bunch of different places. So you got a fine tuned machine. You've got a very smart management team, I think, in Alphabet. I gotta say, for as thrown for a loop as I was when they changed the name of the company, I, I adjusted to it more quickly than I thought I would. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm much more comfortable just referring to it as Alphabet. I just remember like once I realized this isn't a prank, I just thought I, this is stupid, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to call them Google. It's like no, no. I I made the adjustment pretty quickly. I think. What do you think about Bet being a part of Alphabet? The connotation they're going to be making bets in the future. Yeah, I, that was that was one of those things where I was like, all right, I understand that the whole A to Z thing. I get I get the wordplay. I get the wordplay. But to me, it's. You know, there's there's nothing in business and in sports. There's nothing like winning to to make people uh, like me shut up. And so the <laughs> fact that they changed their name and they just continued to produce 
um, at even uh, better rates. Um, Ruth Porat was relatively new on the job, but just it was clear her influence uh, was so positive on the company. And in fact, for whatever I thought of the name, when they reincorporated, it really was mission accomplished in terms of providing greater transparency, not just to average investors like us, but to Wall Street as well. Yeah, and just a fantastic company. I mean, you any any company that has a digital presence has to think how can they do something better than Google can because they've just got so much data and they can optimize off of that so quickly. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.